know, just acknowledging, you know, the the the, the season of change. Uh, you know, fall is such a oh, it's such an incredible, incredible season. I know it means winter's coming, which I don't love, but I, I love this this uh, the, you know the colors that surround us. It's just sheer beauty. Uh, maybe for you, it's the smells of fall. You know, the uh, the uh, the cool fresh air. Or maybe it's the pumpkin spice lattes that are, you know, back at Tim Hortons and elsewhere. I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a good it's a good good season. You know, pumpkin pies. Uh, it, it's just it's just a wonderful wonderful time. Um, this week, as I was reading through Ephesians, I'm doing the U version, reading through the New Testament this year. Got to Ephesians, and this week I was reading through Ephesians four. And as I got to Ephesians four, I started reading it. I read verse one, and then all of a sudden, as I finished it, I, you know, like normal, you just carry on reading. And and I just felt something stop me on the inside. And just simply, this thing said, "Just read it again." And I was like, "Oh, you know, just okay, you know, I'll, I'll read it again. I wonder why." And then as I read past, I was going to read to verse two. I was like, "No, read it again." And I'm like, "Oh," and I, that's how I begin to recognize, you know, Holy Spirit's voice. It sounds like your own thoughts in your head sometimes. And, it's, and as, as I began to read, it's like, read it again. And I was like, then I started to have that argument with myself saying, you know what, if I just keep reading verse 1, I'm never going to get to the end. I can't check the box, and I'm going to ruin my streak. You know, like if you do the U version thing, every day it tracks how much. It's not a competition, but it is. How are you guys doing? You know, I, I hate when you get to like 276 days, and then you miss a day, and then the next day you wake up, it's like, oh, I'm, like my streak is at 1. Um, you know, that, that, that's where I'm like having this thing with myself, and I want to press past that. And it was just this thought, read it again, read it again. And so I continued to read about it and continue to think about it for the rest of this week. And, and I just want to share it with you. It's this. Paul was writing from a prison cell to these Jesus followers in Ephesus, which is a, a real place uh, and, a, and a, a, um, a big religious city. Uh, and he, he wrote to them. He wrote these words. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. That's why I'm in jail, he says. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And if he made me read it again, I think we probably should too. You know, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Did you get it yet? Let's do it again. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now look at that, man, just a few simple words put together in a sentence written a couple thousand years ago, and yet there's something there's something powerful in those thoughts. And I had to read it over and over and over. And then I was like, you know what? I need to slow down. There's something, there's something that I need to hear from here. And today, the two main thoughts for today are simply this. You've been called by God and challenged to live a life worthy of that calling. As I think about that, I think, you know, here's, here's the first thought. You have been called by God. You have been called by God. Paul's writing from this prison cell to the Ephesians, but he's not just writing to a group of people. He's writing to a group of individuals. You have been called by God. Have you thought about that? Because I sure haven't for a long time. You know, that thought that, that you, as a person, whatever it would have been, you know, Aristophiles or, you know, whatever their names were, but he'd say this, you, Mike, you, Penny, you, Sarah, you, Chad, you, Selena, you, Scott, you, Brian, you, you, Daryl, you, Gerard, you, June, you have been called by God. Man, I think about that. That's like, it's not, you know, 
your parents have been called by God, so you're in the family, that's why you're in. You know, you, uh, you, you know your, your uh, heritage, well, the Dutch people, we all go to church, so you know the Dutch, you've been called by God. The Brits, too, there's a number of them here, we may be outnumbered. You know, the British, you've been called as well. It's, it's, not, it's not that thought, right, that it's just like, oh, you know, this, this group of people, it was so personal. And I, we, you know, that, that I think Gary shared a number of weeks ago, that for, for God so loved Perrin, for God so loved Lewin, for God so loved, you know, Mark, that, and for God so loved Gord, that he sent his son. We're like, oh, for God so loved the world, but it's bigger than that. There's this thought that this was meant to be personal, and, and Paul's writing to someone saying, listen, you have been called by God, and I think it's powerful when we think about that thought that it's you, that it's me, that it's individuals. That, that's, a, that's a powerful thing, but there's, there's, more, there's more importance to that than just that. He says, you've been called by God. You have been called by God. When we think about that for a second, we'll just go to the next slide for a second. Let's, let's make, there we go. You have been called, you've been called by God. Have you ever been called by somebody important? Ever got called to the principal's office? You in that back row over there? Uh-huh. No, no, you're the back row. <laughs> You ever been called to the principal's office? Do you know that when you get called by important people, um, maybe it's your parents, you know, or, or the, there's feelings that come with that. You know, when your dad calls you, like, you know, hey, son, come on up here. It, it could be like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm grounded or if I'm going for ice cream. I don't know what it is, but, you know, by the tone of voice. But when you get called to the principal's office, sometimes it's like that feeling of, like, dread, right? Oh, no, this can't, this can't be good. You know, or maybe you've been, you know, maybe you've been called into the boss's office and you're like, sweet, I'm going to get that raise. Or maybe you're like, uh, this is totally out of the blue. I don't know what this means. You know, maybe when you get called by somebody important, you feel a little more important. You ever had that? A number of weeks, uh, a couple of months ago, actually, we got an email and it said on there, Doug Ford wants to talk to you. And I was like, yeah, that's junk mail. And then it said, you know, no, pa- pastors, really, Doug Ford wants to talk to you, and he wants to hear from you. We're having this, this group phone call, Zoom call, on such and such a date at such and such a time. Would you, would you please join us? We need to hear your insight. And I'm like, well, yes, I will. So I booked it on my calendar, and that day, I forget what it was happening that day, but I, I don't, it, was, it was a household chore that needed to be done, and I was like to Beth, I'm like, Hon, I can't do any vacuuming today because I have a phone call with Doug Ford. Maybe you've heard of him. And she just looks at me like, rolls her eyes like, whatever, right? He's like, he's, he's not going to talk to you. I'm like, yeah, he said in the email he wants to hear from me. So uh, I, we went on this Zoom call. There was like 1,500 other people. He didn't even let me talk. I couldn't believe it, you know? But there's a sense of like that feeling a little bit of importance because somebody important wants to talk to you. Have you thought about how important it is when the, the God, as described through Scripture as, you know, the, the eternal, the immortal, the invisible, the king of heaven, the ever-present, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the creator of all, that God wants to talk to you. And that's not, you know, oh, your parents, that's at any age. You might be seven. You might be five. You might be 75. But that the God of Heaven wants to talk to you. Man, there's something powerful that, that you've been called by God. And then finally, you've been called by God. Called by the God of the universe. Called to what? You've been called to be saved. Called to know him. Called to be set apart to him. Called to be a saint, he says. Called to service. You've been called away from religion. Called away from rituals. Called away from rules. 
called to just to him. You've been called away from a worldly way of thinking to have your mind set on truth. You've been called to be part of his multi-ethnic family that, you know, the Dutch and Brits can unite along with people from all over the world. We have, you know, we have brothers and sisters in Haiti today. We have brothers and sisters in the Philippines. We have brothers and sisters all over the world. I may not know them, but if I go there, instantly I'm part of family. That was God's design, this idea of this unified family. And today you can just see the enemy at work where all he keeps trying to do is divide, 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 divide. But you've been called to unity. You've been called to his family. You've been called to holiness. We've been called by God. What a, what a powerful thought. And maybe we could just let that sit for a while. But Paul in that one sentence, in that one verse, simply said, you have been called by God, so live a life worthy of that calling. Because it's not just this, these nice words. It says, you know, hey, you've been called by God. You're pretty important because he's important and he's called you to something. But it's bigger than that. It's like live, live your life. That the Bible's not just some mystic, ancient, cryptic, you know, piece of literature that people gather around and try and understand. It's meant, those principles were meant to affect my life and your life today. And here's what... Paul writes as he writes the Ephesians, he, he spends the next three chapters. I just want to look at a couple of verses this morning of how it intersects with our life as well. But he writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, here's, here's what it looks like to live a life worthy of your calling. He says, verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say to you, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Back then, there was the Jewish people and then, and then everybody else. They just called the Gentiles. The Jewish people who knew God and then everybody else who had no clue. But, but basically, today, it would be those who are the Jesus followers and those who, who aren't following. Those who, as we talked about the last number of weeks, are not, they're not disciples, they're not following. He says, don't, he, says, I, he says, don't live as if you don't know God any longer. He says, they, they live lives that are hopelessly confused. You know, he says their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. He's like, man, I don't want you to live life like that. Not As a Jesus follower, don't, don't live like you're not. You know, minds full of darkness. Things that just, you know, allowing different things into their minds. He says they wander aimlessly. They don't realize that there's a purpose in life. You, know, you can get to that spot sometimes, too, where maybe you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I wonder, like, what's the purpose? What's, what's what he says, he says, don't allow your mind to go to that spot. And he says, for them, it was, it's not accidental, it's intentional. It's, he describes it, say, they've, they've closed their minds to God. They've hardened their hearts to him. It says, they choose to love darkness rather than life, is what, light is what he writes to the Romans. He says, as Jesus followers, don't allow your life to be lived like that. Because he says in verse, um, verse uh, 19, he says, you know, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly, eagerly practice every kind of impurity. He's like, as, as the Jesus followers, he's like, don't live your life as if you're not. He says, you know, that no sense of shame. I was thinking about that. I shared this story once before where back in the day when I was a wedding photographer, uh, I got sent always to the guy's house and had to take pictures of them getting ready. And so I remember one day going to Simcoe and there was this groom and his, his, uh, his uh, wedding party. They were at the, the best man's house and they were getting ready. And I was like, okay, guys, we got to go outside. Let's go. And there wasn't really too many places to take pictures. So but we went out in the front lawn and we're about to snap some photos and they're laughing and, you know, yucking it up. And then all of a sudden the groom steps in this big pile of dog crap. Hopefully you can say crap online. Um, they steps right in, and it's big, and it just goes all the way around his shoe, right? That big slurpy mess. And he looks down. He's like, oh, 
no. And, and all of his buddies start laughing, right? The best, the best man, he's like, ah, you know, it's his dog. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but, but not really. And, and, and that sense, you know, the groom tries to laugh it off. And they're like, whatever, he gets some photos done. And, but, you know, then all he has that moment all of a sudden that comes into his mind. He's like, wait a second. I can't go to the wedding like this. You know, this was funny in the moment. But, but something shakes him to say, I can't, I can't keep on going like this. That's where that sense of realizing, man, this, this isn't something that, that I want to allow in my life. I may have happened, but I'm not allowing it to remain there. And he's like, what am I do? He's like, he runs into the best man's place to, to clean his shoes, and, and I'm there with him. It's just the two of us. And he grabs the guy's dish brush, and he begins to wash off his shoes. And he's like, that'll teach him for laughing at me, right? So, uh, but it's a sense, it's this moment, this awareness of like, man, this, I can't keep going on, on my way like this. This, 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 this isn't... This isn't uh, uh, how I should be. How I should be dressed at this point, you know. Whereas I saw, you know, a, another sense where a sense of no sense of shame simply means that people who 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 intentionally do things that they know that they shouldn't do, it's like ah, there's there's no there's no shame in it at all. There's um, a place called the Blue Lagoon in Derbyshire, England, uh, and this place, uh, this uh, this place, the, the water so beautifully blue and inviting that people flock to here to swim all the time and the, the 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 authorities put up fences around it they put up all kinds of signs around it the signs actually say this do not enter the water due to high ph levels because it can cause skin and eye irritation stomach problems fungal infections such as thrush other infections such as rashes think would you swim in ammonia or bleach well these waters are similar to the blue lagoon and you think man like, people swimming in that, that just seems crazy. And yet, people would cut through the fences to get in there by the thousands. Uh, they would walk past signs that were posted all the way around to go swimming in there. And finally, this person interviewed these people who were there, and there was a mom and her kids, or five kids, were swimming in this, in this lagoon. And, and they asked her, like, aren't you worried about the signs? And she said this, I'm not concerned. I just told the children not to swallow any water. And don't go in any deeper than your necks. Because it's so beautiful and blue now that the sun is out. That is that idea of no sense of shame, intentionally going past the warning signs, past the boundaries, to, to, into something that, that you shouldn't, that's toxic, that's deadly for you. Um, finally, they just dyed the whole thing black and said, you know, we're keep people out. And I just read that they still had just arrested a guy who went swimming to see if he was going to turn his skin black. Uh, that's that sense. He's saying no sense of shame. He says, Paul says to them, listen, don't live your life like that as Jesus followers. Verse 20 says, because he says, that's not what you learned about Christ. He says, actually, it's the opposite of what you learned about Christ. Following Christ is a mind that's open to his truth. It's a heart that's yielded and soft to his leading. Uh, In verse uh, 21, he says, since you've heard about Jesus and you learned the truth that comes from him. We talked about that last week, just needing truth. He says, he paints this picture for them. He says, this is what it looks like to follow Christ. That's the opposite. He says, the, the live a life worthy of your calling, it, it, it looks opposite of what I just described. He says, it's this. He says, realize that, that this, this living worthy means you're throwing off the old sinful nature in the former way of life because it's corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, he says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and renew your minds and Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Paul describes this idea of like living a life worthy of her calling as, uh, this, with this clothing analogy. Because we all put on clothes, right? You all did this morning. 
Some of you, you know, thought about what you were going to wear. Others of you were like, wait, oh, well, i got to get there in five minutes. I'll just grab whatever I can find. But what did you reach for this morning? How much thought did you put into it? You know, did you reach for the t-shirt and the sweater thinking, yeah, it's kind of cool, but it may get warmer? Did you reach for socks and sandals or both? You know, what did, what did you reach for this morning? It's easy to see. Just take a look. Maybe you're like, I reached for what my mom laid out for me. That's what I'm wearing. You know, your clothing, it makes a statement about you. Did you realize that? Your clothing makes a statement about you. For some of you, that statement is you should not shop for yourselves. For others, and you know what, that's me. My, I, full disclosure, my wife purchases all of my clothing. <laughs> I'm not allowed to dress myself. I think like I get it. This morning I did. I'm like black and dark gray. I mean, Batman can do it. I'm probably okay, right? And just cover it up with some red. It should be fine. But you know, for, for many, it's like, I don't know what goes, what matches with what. But it says something about you. For some, it tells me you like Harley Davidson. For some, it tells me, you know, you like John Deere, or you like the Maple Leafs, or you like Under Armour. There's something that you, that you like, and it's why you bought it. It's, for some, it's, it's like, it's your sense of style. You know, you're like, you're, the, you're preppy, you're sporty, or punky, or edgy, or vintage, or, or hipster, or, uh, you know, flirty, or whatever it may be. It says something about you. And you know, what, we're, what Paul's saying is like, what you're wearing on the outside says something about you, but what you're wearing on the inside says more about you. It makes a statement as well. And it's not just what you're wearing on the inside, but who you're wearing on the inside. You know, at the, at the Oscar ceremonies and stuff, they always ask the people walking down the red carpet, oh, what a beautiful dress. Who are you wearing today? And they'll be like, oh, this is Versace, or, or this is Armani, or, or these are Dolce & Gabbana. This is who I'm wearing today. And today I ask that question, who are you wearing? Maybe you're wearing Levi's, you know, or maybe you're wearing, you know, American Eagle or, or, or Under Armour or Nike, or maybe you're wearing Mark's Work Warehouse, or maybe you're just like, I wear Valu Village, whatever it may be. Who are you wearing today? You know, because you're wearing someone. You're wear- and, and Paul's saying, I want you to understand this as, as walking worthy of your calling. You're wearing someone. He wrote to others to the Galatians, he said, put on Christ like you put on new clothes. He says to the Romans, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's this, it's this realization of walking worthy of your calling is you're wearing someone. So the question today is, who are you wearing? Who am I wearing? Because Paul's saying, man, I'm begging you to lead a life worthy of the calling because you've been called by God. You know, in fall, it's time to change the wardrobe. You guys have that same problem that I have? You go to the ward, you go to your, you know, the closet full of stuff, and I look and I'm like, man, look at some of those shirts. I'm like, I haven't worn those shirt, that shirt all summer, but maybe next summer, and so I keep it. You know where you got like, you know, you like, okay, shorts, I think we're done, and they go to the bottom and bust out the plaid, and maybe, I don't know, it's too early. I don't know if you're allowed to wear a plaid before the time changed. I don't know how all that stuff works. But, you know, you look, as time goes, you realize, man, there's certain things people, you recognize when people fail to make the change. There was a guy in Selkirk who used to wear shorts all the time at the gas station. This is not him, but it looks like him. And he'd be out there in the winter wearing shorts, and you're like, that doesn't, Look right. That, that, that's not becoming of, of what you should be wearing at this point. But he's like, man, that's, that's just, the, that's just what, uh, what, I, what I have. And Paul's basically saying to, to, to the Jesus followers, saying, hey, you know, if you haven't changed the clothes yet, now's the time to change them, to have new thoughts, a new attitude, a new nature, to put on the, that new nature, because that's who you are. He says, and why? Because you've been called by, by God. 
You know, the thought is this, and I, I think Craig Grishel, I think uh, Tracy Ferber sent me a thing uh, a while back just about this idea of calling. We've been called to salvation, and that was the easy part. That's what God instantly did in us. He, like, sets us apart. He does something automatic. But then we've been called to this process of sanctification where it's like the, the old is being stripped away, and he's changing us. Uh, the, the, the rest of us is being changed as well. But it's that thought of put off those old that old sinful nature, the old clothes. I have a hard time getting rid of old clothes. I'm like, I look at it, it's like the shirt's got holes in it. They're work clothes. I've got so much work clothes and then my church work clothes. You know, and, and then, you know, the, the jeans like, oh man, I can't get rid of them. They'll be paint, paint clothes. I have so many paint clothes, I could hire a painting crew and start a whole new business because I just can't get rid of it. Do you ever have things, clothes like that? Do you ever have habits like that? That's what Paul's saying, those, those cling-on things. That it's like, man, he's like, he says, let those things go. They're toxic and deadly to you. But he says, don't keep them around. And he wants to paint that picture that, man, they, the, the, that, that old stuff, he says, put that stuff off. It's like deadly and toxic to you. Why would you want to carry something deadly around with you? Or even this, why would you want to carry something dead around with you? This kind of came to light for me with our, our uh, we've had this new addition to our family this past couple weeks. Uh, it's right here, this little dead skunk carcass that we now refer to as Sinister Steve. Sinister Steve, we thought, you know, if we could get Sinister Steve, uh, sorry Steve, uh, but it's not named after you. But Sinister Steve is like now a part of our family because Reba brought him home one day. And that, that is her best friend. We're like thinking, man, a dead skunk, it stinks. And yet we're thinking she's not going to want to carry that around all day. But, but here's Reba's response to uh, Sinister Steve. You know, and Beth was like trying to chase her down to say, what is she carrying around? And then uh, uh, telling Reba to drop it and, and find out what, what this thing is. And looking at it, we're like, that is just beautiful, right? And we're like, we're going to pick it up and toss it. We still haven't been able to catch it. You know, it's, uh, but I'm like looking at that. I'm like thinking, my dog, that's a pastor's dog. That dog should know, you know. We're not to carry around dead, dumb, de- de- dead things anymore. Like, put on your new nature, Reba. But the problem is she still has the old dog nature. And so she loves to carry around her dead, stinking stuff. But... You know, Paul's saying, that's not you. You have a new nature. You've been changed from the inside already by him. He's already started the process in you. And so because he's done it in you, he says, put off that old stuff and put on that new nature. He says, you know, that without, without him doing the change in us first, we can't do it. He's not saying, hey, just be a better person. Because he says, that's just like our, our good deeds are like filthy rags on their own. But he's saying, because of what God has done, because he's called you. Live worthy of that calling. Partner with him. Let Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and your minds and your attitude. And that, just that challenge, as we finish today, just the challenge to think about our spiritual wardrobe as much as we think or more than we think about our physical wardrobe. What am I wearing today inside? Who am I wearing? What am I going to reach for in my spiritual wardrobe today? Uh, because a lot of it, Paul describes it as relational clothing. He finishes the chapter by saying this. Here's what it looks like. He's like, it's like a wardrobe that you have, a wardrobe where he says, you want to reach for lies? He says, that was old you. He says, now reach for truth. Sometimes we have that same thought. We're like, yeah, I'm a Jesus follower, but oh, it'll be so much easier if I just falsify or just tell small whatever. He's like, that's not you anymore. Don't wear those clothes. You, re- you reach for truth. He says, he says, you may reach for anger. 
He says, that's the old you. He says, you know, the new humanity reaches for peace. It may have been theft before, but he says, I've called you now to generosity. He says, it may have been gossip before. That's what you want to reach for. But he says, man, I'm telling you, reach for encouragement instead. When, when you know, that idea of reaching for revenge, he's like, that's the clothes you got to put off. He says, instead, it's like forgiveness is the, is the attire of the day. Where, where it was promiscuity, he says, it's self-control now. Where it used to be under the influence of alcohol, be under the influence of Holy Spirit. You know, if you look at all of this, which one do you wish, what side of the closet do you wish your spouse would reach for? Which side do you wish, you know, that, that, your, that your parents would reach for, or that your kids would reach for, or that your boss would reach for? That's what he's saying, man, reaching reaching for the clothing that has been provided for you. Paul's like, man, I'm begging you, live a life worthy of the calling. Why? Because you've been called by God. He says, as you're tossing out some of the stuff that's in your closet, along with him, he finishes by saying this, while you're cleaning it out, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness too. Get rid of rage and anger and harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, He's like, be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. He's like, all that other stuff, it doesn't fit you well anymore. I know you might have that drawing to say, ah, I want. He said, that stuff's not yours anymore. You've been changed on the inside. You're no longer Reba. You've got a new new nature on the inside. He says, you've been called by God, so walk worthy of that calling. The other stuff's heavy. It's burdensome. It just leads to death in your relationships and elsewhere. So just in closing today, have you thought about the fact that you've been called by God? Can we just say it together? I've been called by God. I've been called by God. Would you say it once? Like you mean it? Do you realize that I have been called by the God of the universe? Wow. It's truly, truly incredible. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe watching online. You know, that's new to you. But maybe you feel that drawing on the inside. You may not know how to describe it. Be like, man, there's just something that rings of truth that like, I just want to know more. I, I, I want to believe that, that there's something, someone out there, and I just feel this, ur- this urgency, this drawing. It's how he works. He's drawing you to himself. Maybe for you, you have an awareness of, of guilt and shame, and it's like, man, I... If he's out there and he's good, he ain't going to want me. And he's drawn on you saying, listen, I still, I still love you. I still want you. I'm inviting you to leave that behind. Do you want to walk in guilt and shame for the rest of your life? If you do, that's your choice, but you don't have to. And he's calling you today. And for the Jesus follower, he's saying, hey, since I've called you out of that, live a life worthy of that calling. Walk with me in this journey of wearing new clothes. What's in your wardrobe today? What's in your wardrobe? So we spend a little bit of time together just sitting around uh, tables and maybe where you are just discussing this. I'd encourage you, maybe if you're home alone, to see who else is on the chat. Maybe June, call Gerard and say, hey, can we, can we talk about these questions? Gerard, you should probably say yes, you know. <laughs> but whatever it may be, to have this conversation with each other about some of these thoughts. And maybe, you should, maybe we'll give you some sample questions, but maybe you just start with, hey, what do you think God's trying to tell you today? Or what do you think jumped out at you uh, this morning? The discussion we have is this. Some of the questions we have is who or what brand of clothing are you wearing today? What did you put on this morning and why did you do it? How much thought did you put into that? 
And then that same thing, how much thought have you put into what it means to put on Christ? What does that mean? What do you think it means? Or what do you think it means for you to live a life worthy of his calling? What do you think that means for you? Because it's different for me than it is for you, but you as an individual have been called by God. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thanks for your word that it, that it, uh, it grabs us to our very core. You desire to change us, to show us what's wrong in our lives, to teach us what is right. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what we can't, that you would begin to change our, our thoughts and our attitudes and, and transform us, continue to transform us as you've promised you would. Lord, I pray that in this moment, that this may be a part of that journey for many here today uh, and for those watching as well. God, that our lives may reflect your glory and bring you glory. And may our world see the goodness of who you are as a result. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for changing me, Father. Thank you for, for the gift of life that you've given. May I live it today for you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.